0: my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hello, divas. I am so thrilled to share this Masterclass episode with you with the fabulous Hilary Ginther. And I'm going to tell you a few things about her before we get started. So mezzo-soprano Hilary Ginther is a singer to watch in classical grand opera and contemporary works. Opera Now magazine profiled her as one of 10 young American singers intent on taking the opera world by storm. She's also been praised for her terrific stage presence and substantial and richly colored instrument. Hillary has sung with Opera Omaha, Musica Viva Hong Kong, Opera on the James, Fargo-Moorhead Opera, Opera Columbus, Central City Opera, Fort Worth Opera, Odyssey Opera, New York City Opera, Los Angeles Opera, Center for Contemporary Opera, Florida Grand Opera, Wolf Trap Opera, and many more. In February of 2020, Hillary made her New Orleans opera debut as Joan of Arc in a rare production of Tchaikovsky's massive grand opera, The Maid of Orleans. At the publication of this episode, when you're listening to this, Hillary is literally currently returning to Music of Viva Hong Kong for her role debut as Elita Petta in Donizetti's Maria Stuarda. So, I hope you enjoy listening to this masterclass episode with the one and only Hillary Ginther. Yay! Hillary, welcome to the Studio Class podcast. I am so thrilled to have you as a masterclass guest. Will you please just kick us off and tell us a little bit more about you? Well,
1: oh, thank you so much, Megan. I am really excited that you asked me to be on your podcast. Um, I am a mezzo, fellow mezzo-soprano, shout Woo-hoo! out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I am pretty much like a tried and true opera singer. I've wanted to do it since I was 12 years old. Um, I've just been chasing that dream and pounding the pavement for as long as I can remember and kind of don't know what else to do. Uh, lived in New York for about 10 years after I went to school in Mississippi and Cincinnati. And now I live in Denver and I'm, you know, still singing, working, doing the hustle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I read as we were kind of getting ready for this, I was reading about the fact that you, you just booked, well, probably just booked, recently booked, a a a performance in, in Colorado so you're feeling a little bit more like welcomed into your musical home there can you tell me a little bit about that
1: yes well you know it, moving to Colorado during the pandemic it was more of a forced leave from yeah. New York City because my husband and I had been sharing a tiny like 380 square foot studio apartment for oh my goodness oh my gosh <laughs> and
0: that's worked. a strong relationship Hillary
1: <laughs> Man. Well, it worked because we had opposite work schedules during the week, and we wow. didn't really ever see each other other than sleeping, <laughs> except for on Saturday and Sunday. So we like really made it work. And when when you're in New York, you're out most of the time anyway. Um But we were kind of forced to move just because New York was not the place to be during the pandemic. Um, I was working from home. There was no desk. There was no table. There was no space. <laughs> right, right. So we were. We had been. I had sung a couple of festivals in Colorado before. And um, we had decided that, hey, this could be the next place that we decide to, you know, live, spend our next chapter, see what it's like out here. We've been East Coasters or or of the like, sort of Midwest-y for um, our whole lives. And we just thought, let's try something different that is just so breathtakingly beautiful.
0: Absolutely. Um, So
1: we moved out here, and um, it because of the pandemic. Also, it just took a while for me to feel like I had a community here after being in New York for nearly ten years. um, I guess maybe I didn't realize what a family I had grown there. Yeah. Um, And and because New York is kind of the classical music hub of the country, there are just such a wealth of resources and performances and and coaches and language coaches and there's just everywhere yeah and so coming to colorado and being in much smaller but still very vibrant classical musical community um i just had to kind of like reach out to people that i i knew through the grapevine that were here or have my managers try to set up auditions with the opera companies here and yeah. i sang for upper colorado um and i then went up to central city opera and sang an audition for them at the end of july and um, kind of immediately felt like I had a connection uh, with John Barrill. We started talking about uh, an opera, Joan of Arc, that we've both done. Yes. And I'm excited about that. And they offered me a gig the next day. Wow. And, um, it's for like seven weeks next summer.
0: Excellent. And
1: it's, I'm singing Emilia and Rossini's Otello. Nice. And um, it makes me feel just, just so welcome here. It, it made a huge difference in my feeling of really kind of putting down roots and feeling welcome in the community here and feeling seen and valued as a musician in a brand new place.
0: Yes. I love that. I love what you said. And I'm hoping that, you know, I just really want to dig into that for a second because I hear lots of uh, younger musicians are people that are transitioning into different geographic spaces, right? They're they're thinking about how do I get more connected in a community? And because you just talked about this, I was wondering if you could kind of isolate a couple of things that you felt like you did proactively when you moved to just even like what what was the little action that you did that you felt like, oh, I did a thing and it helped me feel more connected or it helped me become more established in this professional creative community? Um, I
1: thank you for asking that because it was really like a conscious effort.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: In New York, I have a coach who I've worked with almost exclusively since
0: 2016. Would you like to shout them out? Because or you're like, I got to keep it secret.
1: (laughs) His name is Doug Hahn. Yeah he's just wonderful he's he's fluent in Italian and French and he's brilliant and we we hit it off a long time ago and he gets me and he knows how to unlock a lot of things yeah. in me and how to get me to to maximum capacity you know what I yes, mean <laughs> Yes yes <laughs> Um so that was that's been really difficult to be away from that relationship and so mm-hmm. I thought okay I'm going to reach out to anybody I know in the area to see if they know of, um, a really good coach that I could meet up with, that I could just start working through some of this music with that I have coming up or even, you know, just start establishing a relationship with once we can do in-person coachings.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and, and it just so happened that, uh, a friend of mine, Javi Abreu, a uh, beautiful tenor. Um, I did a Barber of Seville with him in Florida Grand Opera in 2015. And so we've known each other for a while. Oh, We also did Wolf Trap in 2011 together. Nice. And so like, we had had these little things yeah. over the years when we knew each other and the internet, you know, social media. <laughs> I constantly connected with these people across the world
0: yeah
1: and so I reached out to Javi and I said Javi I know that you uh live in the area um whenever we can I would love to see you and hang out and he was like oh my gosh that'd be great also I don't know if you're looking for a coach (laughs) but my husband is the head coach at CU Boulder what amazing His name is Jeremy Rieger and he works with Opera Colorado a lot as well and with Central City Opera as well yeah I was like oh that's amazing like so eventually um I met Jeremy and we worked together and it was just really nice to have a connection with somebody and to be able to just honestly just like nerd out yeah (laughs) when you're not surrounded by musicians all the time you find yourself like really wanting to talk about it yeah um and so I was just like oh my gosh I just need this time to talk to people yeah and so he and I developed a relationship and um he ended up playing for uh, my both my Opera Colorado and my my Central City audition. And Fantastic. he is on staff at Central City. So I'll see him there next summer. Yeah. And there are also like three or four other coaches that are on staff at Central City that I've worked with at other young artist programs over the years. Yeah. And um, just starting to just reach out to yeah. those connections I had, build those relationships. And then when I, I had a break in my schedule for a few months, I was like, gosh, like how what am i going to do to make some income like maybe i could start teaching at like a music school somewhere um they've got like a local just music academy not like an actual like university or school school like an after yeah. school program sort of music school i interviewed there got to know some really good musicians my schedule for performing wasn't what they wanted so i didn't get that job <laughs> <laughs> but i i had this conversation again with these people when i interviewed and i they were just lovely and I was like, you know, it's just really good to sit down and talk music or just like talk technique for a second yeah. um, with you guys just to be like, hey, I'm a musician in the community. And I also have this knowledge. I'm not in university anymore or anything. So I'm not ingrained in the CU scene. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there there are professional musicians around here. And I've, 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 and there's a, a flute player that lives down in um, Lone Tree who who I've known for years, and I'm excited to meet up with her, like, I'm just, you just have to be like, okay, I have this huge network of people that I've been building for my entire professional career. Who do I know that's out here? Like, you know, somebody almost everywhere, really, it ends up being.
0: Yep. Yep. Then you can end up building relationship off that one person almost, you know? Right, right. Well, and a couple of things that I wanted to isolate that you said, were just reaching out, being proactive about just, finding you know if you don't have their email or whatever find it reach out and even if you if you're younger and you don't have this large professional network you could you can still do this you can still like introduce yourself to people that you see who are working in the field and say you know I'd love to sing for you or have coffee or work together or something like that you know
1: absolutely and that's another reason why I do love social media like it's that necessary evil Yeah, um, because. I often will develop relationships with other singers, whether they be younger singers who are like, literally see themselves like, oh, like I saw you doing this trajectory 10 years ago and I really see myself on that path. Yeah. Come into my DMs. Let's talk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I love that. I one of the things that I really love to do is uh if I'm ever at an opera company where there are young artists yeah. who are understudying me or whatever, I was that person for 10 years. Yeah. I went through the young artist circuit, probably for over 10 years, but that's another thing. <laughs> no, it wasn't no, it was it no, was, it was not. <laughs> it was nine. It was nine. <laughs> but it I love to just say, like, hey, listen, there are there's no manual here. There are yeah. so many learning curves. Like, I'm so happy to just like go out to dinner with you or hang out with you and talk. Yes. You no, know, about my experience or like things that were were told to me maybe in
0: conservatory that really turned out to be the opposite in the real world. Right. Like that, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Well, this is why I do this podcast too. is just to have conversations with people who are currently working and you feel like sometimes the information you might have gotten from a teacher isn't as current as it is right now. So I want to talk to people that are, you know, figuring things out their own path right now. And just saying, like, well, what's it like for you? Tell us a little bit more, you know, and the beautiful part about this is that people are really honest and open most of the time. And they're like, well, this is what I'm doing. And I kind of pursue it this way. And it works for me for these for these reasons. So Oh, so amazing! That's why I want you here, Hillary. (laughs) So, I I do have to ask you one of the first questions that I usually usually ask, and I'm going to probably come back to come back to coaches and things like that, uh, because all of that is such great, great, great information. But one of the things that I always, always ask is what is an intention that you're keeping for yourself right now? This is something that it can it be anything it doesn't have to necessarily be music related or career related if if that's not what you're feeling but what's an intention that you're keeping for yourself Ooh, like something that i'm actively
1: like trying to yes okay i think i know what you mean yeah. One, I, my the third first thing that pops into my head is and this doesn't just relate to music everything in life but it's something at 37 years old that i am starting to practice is actively keeping my boundaries for my own mental health.
0: Oh, preach on it, honey. Yes, yeah. like <laughs>
1: because the because not only in my personal life, like it just bleeds over yep. uh, in my professional life. Like it's it can be a really ugly business. Mm-hmm. It can be a business where nobody's taking up for you but yourself, and um when you f- you can feel scared sometimes that taking up for yourself is going to have repercussions, mm-hmm. and um, A lot of times you just have to be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to be treated that way. Or I'm not going to let this conversation be a part of my day. Yeah, Things like that. Um, That to me is something that has helped me really kind of keep my blinders on. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of getting lost in the I'm not good enough or the imposter syndrome that we can all kind of get lost in by, you know, instead of looking at our life and our own body of work seeing looking at everybody else's or what we don't have yet um i just try to really keep my blinders on and 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 protect my mental health yeah yeah definitely do it keep my my and i guess maybe my intention at the bottom of that is is doing it for the love of music's sake Mm -hmm. like at the end of it just taking the ego away like when it's just you at home With your piano and you're practicing, like where is the joy there? Are you like, God, I love this. For me, me, it's still there. Yeah, and that's constantly what I hang on to, even if it's difficult or I'm figuring something out. um, I try to still
0: keep that joy there. Absolutely,
1: Hillary. Can you answer your
0: question? It 100% answers my question. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm I'm curious if you can you describe what it feels like when you feel like that joy might be a little bit farther away and you want to bring it back you know what does that moment start to feel like when you kind of feel like you're getting out of your lane um oh, man that's and that happens often <laughs> um
1: I think in that to me that feeling usually creeps in um when someone who is not myself tries to tell me who or what I am
0: mm, mm-hmm mm-hmm
1: and then I start to question like all of these things that I really feel like I've like I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's not really who I am. I don't really know that you understand me. Yeah. Um, I try to just go back to what I know I do well. Mm-hmm. This is just one opinion over here. Yep. That's it. You know, yep. like. And I've been told since I was a young singer, like, oh, like, there's a lot of metal in your voice. And it sometimes that can like be a lot or people might find it abrasive, but that can also be your calling card. Right. So I know it's not for everybody because it's subjective. It's art, you know, Yeah. Like, you could just it's, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So you just have to be like, there are people who have said yes to me.
0: Mm-hmm. These
1: are the people in my network. I, and honestly, I go back to my coach in New York. Yeah. I, I even Zoom coach with him, even though we can't, you know, collaborate with him playing the piano and everything, it still works really well because he finds in me the positive and brings it out. It's like, yeah, no matter what I do, he's always like brava. Like, <laughs> I could I could belch and he would be like brava. Yeah, He'd be like, oh, um that air. sound. <laughs> that means that there's lots of air coming in. Yes, brava. <laughs> you have to like the fact that I have a cheerleader like that. Yeah. Um has made all the difference in the world in in not kind of snuffing out my confidence when other things try to.
0: Absolutely, I think I end up talking a lot about your singing team and making sure that you're finding the people on there that are actually supportive of of you and what you feel like is your maybe your core sound or who you are as an artist. Right, you don't have to only work with the first person that shows up or anything like that. Is making sure that you're finding that really positive collaborative relationship yeah. in which they're they're yes of course they're holding you to a standard and they're encouraging you to like try new things and and see if this is the expression that you want to achieve. However, if the if the relationship is like this constant, well it it could be so much better than this, but you know, whatever. I hear so many stories about people that are in these mentor relationships or collaborative relationships in which they you know where it's like bordering on just verbal abuse constantly and I was like is are are you feeling fulfilled by that (laughs) this is the thing
1: so and and I went through a lot of this in school too Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's
0: I feel like you know
1: about like when I left grad school I kind of like kind of had my voice together but I was still like I was really only singing with half of my voice I kind of been I feel like I was taught mostly as a soprano. Yeah, you know, I was
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um uh just the technique that I was it to me felt like it was very like only one
0: half of my voice right
1: and and that was like one of the major conservatories in the country so yeah
0: yeah <laughs> but- <laughs> you're like hmm, so
1: <laughs> it's just one of those things like you you learn and you grow and and now that I'm like I guess like closer to 40 than 30 it's like I have all of these things that I can do now I'm, I'm not a lot lot of it is also just like time and patience. Like, yes, you've got to work on yourself. But I remember like beating my head in my voice, basically against Uh. a wall in my twenties being like, why isn't it coming out the way that I feel like I want it to?
0: Right. Right. It's just
1: time. And depending on the voice, like mine didn't start to feel like very reliable. Mm -hmm. And that also comes with a lot of work and figuring things out. But until like my Early to mid thirties. Yeah, yeah. Just now in a place where I feel like I can go into an audition and I know how that first aria is going to go. Yep, exactly, exactly. And and I don't know how the rest of them are going to go though. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's still very much in the moment, right? But it's um, I it is just so important to have somebody that's like that hears in you the potential of like, okay, here's what I'm presenting to you now. Mm, but I hear something in there that could be, I could unlock this and there could be more dimension here. And to find somebody that really understands your sound, knows how to talk to you and also still makes you like celebrate yourself in the room. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I I just feel very, very lucky to have a relationship like that because I it, almost, no matter what, I could be feeling like crap going into a coaching. And yeah. by the end of it, I'm like, Yes, God, I sound awesome in that. <laughs> like, I didn't know what you just did to make me feel that way, but that, yes, that worked.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, <need> that. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I'm wondering. We've been talking a lot about teaching and and being taught, and I one of the questions that I love to ask is, what's a skill that you like to teach? <laughs> Usually we kind of talk about this from like a technique point but you can talk about this from any direction right this can be hard skills or soft skills what is something that you love to teach other people Ooh
1: now admittedly I don't have a whole lot of teaching experience but as far as like stuff that I like to talk about with younger yeah. singers when when we're just kind of like spitballing over drinks or something um I I've the thing that I feel like for the repertoire that I sing is very athletic yeah. and a lot of it is like very, it just involves a lot of your body. Yes. just I mean, all singing does, but I, I constantly feel like I am just like a sweaty athlete when I sing. <laughs> um thankfully I don't feel it here, but right. like the, that, that feeling of like, um, that's that, that support feeling of your, your ribs constantly staying, uh, out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. and never collapsing, mm-hmm. the feeling of never collapse, that support feeling.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I feel
0: like some people don't know exactly where that lives, Yeah. like down yeah. in the lower back ribs. Yeah, yeah. Can and you talk it, more about that? I mean, even I know that people are going to be listening to us. So if you mm-hmm. were just kind of like thinking about talking right. more about where in your body you're feeling that, you know, what is that like? When I breathe in,
1: I mean, we, you know, all of these open passages in your head, mm-hmm. I use a, snort. <laughs> <laughs> I use a <laughs> snort, I use a hollow throat yeah. to make sure that everything is open. But then I send all of that air and I open my low, like the, the very bottom ribs that you can feel mm-hmm. all the way up to like my, um, shoulder blades.
0: Yeah. That yeah.
1: My, almost like my, my entire lower ribs, they expand. And all of those intercostal muscles in my, in the, in the ribs, they have to stay active. There is not a moment where they can go.
0: Yeah. Where they're just
1: collapsing. They're
0: like, Oh, don't worry. No. Even, if,
1: even if you're taking a breath, you still have to, I mean, and you can give yourself a little bit of like a, you know, if you, if you need to just reset for a minute, but to me in, in, in I'm, I'm preparing one of the Donatetti Queens right now. And it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And <laughs> It is such athletic singing that I feel like the inside of my body is juggling when I'm doing it. But yeah. the one thing that's going to get me through is to keep all of that snort space yeah, and to keep those ribs um, supported by the intercostal muscles and out yeah. and, and not collapsed for the entire number that yeah. I'm singing.
0: Yeah, you can exactly. still,
1: you can still relax your breath. You can still breathe. You can still relax everything in your face and your jaw or whatever, but you can you cannot let those collapse right right yeah and um that to me is what is saving me and helping me get through um a lot of really dip- difficult repertoire that i'm thrown um some people would say that i'm a swischan so mm-hmm. because i sing a lot of um stuff that could also be sung by Soprano right but then I am also cast as like Olga in yeah. <laughs> so it's like my my seasons are usually like Soprano and Contralto yeah <laughs> can, can can a girl get a Carmen in there can I get a staff,
0: please <laughs> I'm sending you good vibes for that <laughs> here's, a, here's us putting it into the universe I would like to see Hillary Ginther as Carmen yes please like let's do this <laughs> it
1: once. let's do it again yes Yes, a repeat. <laughs> so to me, it's a lot about just like staying open in and, and a lot of when I'm when if singers can't immediately feel that what I tell them to do is get in a plank position.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You cannot do a plank position without using those muscles. Yeah, exactly. And if you can practice singing something in a plank position, you know, you are supporting Yeah. because you're going to have to use those muscles in your back to keep you up because you're going to have to let the muscles in your abdomen go.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. Right. So a lot of times if I am singing something that's really rangy or really hard and I need to warm my body up, I'll do a bunch of sun salutations and then I'll start singing stuff in plank position, yeah. even just singing the notes
0: staccato yeah. To, yeah. to get the body working, but not, um, not wear out my vocal cords. hmm. hmm. I think one of the things that I love talking so much about is less about right here at the larynx, right? This like focus You're on everything. Do anything it's like, here. Right. Like and we get, yeah, so much controlling that happens in like jaw, neck, etc., And then just like remembering to like move, right. That it's so much more embodied than that. So taking that focus that mm-hmm. one might feel at the neck or larynx area and just starting to realize, like, let me actually put that focus somewhere mm-hmm. else. Let me put that on my on my core, like thinking about oh. intercostals across the back ribs, right? All of that starting to really like release that focus from this one specific place into how is my whole body in this healthy balance, right? What is exactly what is working? What is what I you know healthy tension is like that idea of things are balanced. What's supposed to be, mm-hmm. what's supposed to be contracting, and what's not supposed to be contracting.
1: Right. <laughs> so really, the muscles in your body, everything else that's not here in your yeah. in your larynx, everything else is there to help you. Yes, mm-hmm. use your muscles. Use mm-hmm. your muscles. Mm-hmm. Your, use your upper back. Mm-hmm. You know Sometimes when I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can get through this next page, but it is all in my passaggio and it's going to end on a <laughs> be natural. I have no choice. No choice. But I have. I. I really. I. I'm like, okay. I got to just use my back. I got to use my back. And another thing. This is going to be a shout out to information that needs to be thrown in the garbage that you're given at conservatory. <laughs> um. I remember being told so often that you like from from your jaw like from like you couldn't like you only really should be singing from your upper jaw above like uh-huh. like really just let your jaw hang and like don't have any jaw tension <laughs> like mm-hmm. actually what I found that helps me and in the real world yeah. and keeps me getting hired and keeps my voice healthy is that sometimes you have to use these muscles in your jaw to help what and why is because you're going to use the text.
0: Yeah. You're going to use yeah. your lips yes. and your
1: facial muscles and sometimes your jaw yeah. to help you with with a vowel or something to get you through those things. Because the, the musculature in your face and in your jaw can take the tension away from your throat if you need to really spit fire that text out. If you've got a rolled R on an F sharp and you need to be... Like, yeah, <laughs> You have to use your face Yes, your back and maybe some things in the back of your neck and you might have to feel things in your skull, but you're not going to feel it in your throat or you shouldn't yes. at least. Yes. Yeah. But this idea of like, everything has to be so relaxed. What in the world? <laughs> no, well, how are we going to make the sound then? No, you've got to use all of this athleticism in your body Yeah, to help protect your voice put the, put the har- like put the hardship on your body, on yeah. your, on your muscles and all of that physical work that you can do when you're not singing through, you know, weight training, working out yoga, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Athletes and yes. the physical aspect of it has gotten me through last year. I sang Giza and Norma Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday matinee.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And my, when I came off stage, my back and my legs were on fire (laughs) from using all of the muscles, except for the ones in my throat to get me through. Yes. And it worked.
0: Yes. And I was saying that it wouldn't,
1: but it did. About
0: your face and like that, that sense of like, of course I don't want, your jaw, like locking up, or anything like that. But oh. this idea of like being able to use your the musculature of your face is also why we can understand the words that you sing, Hillary. <laughs> so, well,
1: like, <laughs> well,
0: if you YouTube all of these like beautiful golden
1: age singers who are no longer with us, nobody's really singing like that much mm-hmm. anymore. You see that they're using everything. Yeah, yeah. And 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 people are afraid to take their chest voice, uh, you know, above a a D on a D four. <laughs> now I'm like. I am using chess all the way up to a G sharp. Yeah. Because if you listen to how it's supposed to sound, it's supposed to sound like that.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And you have to figure out how to use your body to help you do it without it sounding like a musical
0: theater belt. Yes. And also that kind of a, that, that healthy tension idea should be the fact that you can still be a creative, dramatic artist on stage, right? It's that I never want to push people like one too far one way or the other. But the idea is like, use your body and create the drama and the articulation so that we can hear that. It's not just like being so relaxed in this space, you know, jaw, throat, whatever, that everything becomes like, you know, just like, Like lame. It's like, it's so like sad,
1: right? It's like amount of energy. Yes. You have to conduct the energy. You are the conductor of the energy. Absolutely. Your body has to conduct the airflow. The airflow is the energy. Yes. And as long as your air is flowing and your body is working, like that's the instrument. That's
0: what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly.
1: You're playing the instrument.
0: I love that. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because listen, we could talk about this all day long mm-hmm. and at some point we will. <laughs> like, I'll just be like Hillary, let's nerd out together. And <laughs> but I wonder, you know, part of what I want to talk about here is also we t- talked about the instrument and some kind of some techniques that we want to talk about there, but then also a big part of this podcast is talking about what is a micro action that you feel like has helped you along in your career and i always talk about this from that same perspective they're like building blocks it's not my my example my go-to example anybody who listens knows that i always say this every time a micro action is not write the grant because there's like a million parts right involved in this right. it's about oh well i did the budget for this or i wrote the you know the narrative blah 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 so i give that because that's a very banal example and so for you, I really want you to think about your career and a micro-action micro that you feel like you've done consistently that has just helped you kind of move through this in a way that felt very positive and forward forward motion. Hey there, divas. Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love Studio Class? You can support it now by joining the Sybaritic Camarada on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com slash M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash And now we're back to the episode.
1: Um, I would say that the thing that is within my control that I can do that will constantly I can go to sleep at night saying, well, I did my part on that. So hopefully they rehire me. Um, And I hope this isn't too broad of a thing, but it's just avoiding procrastination and preparing way ahead of time if you can. Yes. Yeah. For me, my nervousness lives in feeling like maybe I don't know it well enough Mm -hmm. or my body hasn't figured out the coordination well enough yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I'm gonna blank on a word or something. And I'm just it's helped me so much to be almost over prepared. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even need to look at the score when I go in for the first thing, even though it's right there. Yeah. Like those things I have
0: been told have been noticed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how could they not?
1: Well, well, she's
0: ready. Yeah. (laughs) Is anybody else ready? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that to me has been something that I can always rely on for myself Um, along with patience and um, support of other colleagues
0: Mm, because it can be
1: so easy in maybe a uh, tense rehearsal situation where things aren't going smoothly to let your frustration maybe show your not cute side (laughs) That's what I'm calling it from now on.
0: <laughs> um
1: and if you can just like have patience and grace in the room, it's noticed. Yeah. Especially when people can feel the tension and really want an escape from that. Mm-hmm. You can almost just be an energy in the room that's calm. Yes. Yes. So I try to just be like a kind, calm energy mm-hmm. in the in the rehearsal room and be amenable while keeping my boundaries and speaking up if I need to. Mhm, and being prepared.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know if that, those are maybe mega aggressions. <laughs> <laughs> those are, like, no, those are perfect. <laughs> microaggression, um, microaction, microaction, micro, not aggression, <laughs> microaction could be <laughs> avoiding reflux. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think that not tomatoes, <laughs> choosing not to be a, yeah, listen, those nightshades, they'll get you, like, if you're not careful. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, because I think that your preparing ahead of time definitely falls into this, because it's about being honest about how much time that you want, so that you feel, it's not about other people's thoughts about it, it's about your own feeling of confidence, and whether or not you can be the person, be the musician you want to be in the room. Right, it's about showing up to whatever the first rehearsal, making sure that you get to, making sure that you get to Vondel, whatever, and feeling like, oh, I'm so Mm -hmm. like at ease here. I feel great. I can be, I can play off of other people if I wanted to. But Hillary, can you talk to me about maybe some of the ways that you figured out your preparation process? What what are the things that you need so that you know that you're feeling that level of confidence? before heading into first rehearsal.
1: Um, I'm going to talk about uh specifically some roles that I've been yeah. blessed with yeah. recently um that that uh my preparation process started really early for um because it was a really big challenge. Yeah. Um and I I started figuring this out um through a couple of roles in a row. I was given I didn't. have, I had maybe three months to prepare Anne Boleyn in uh, a Henry VIII. It's oh very rare. It's a rare opera. Nobody yeah. is like, five hours long. It's a. It's a. It's written in the grand opera style. So there's yeah. like, the ballet and all this stuff, it, but it's just gorgeous. Sasson plus like Tudor royalty. Hello, like <laughs> sign me up.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: so I was really excited to sing this score, and there were a lot of things like there were things that were being added back into the score that had been cut um right after the premiere of it. And oh. nobody, like they dug it out of the Paris Opera Library. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of research going in and I am kind of like a Tudor history nerd anyway. And so I was like, oh my gosh, Anne Boleyn, she's my favorite Tudor queen. Oh, like, well, I have this opportunity. I yeah. just started reading books about her. Yeah, I started just like... Watching documentaries, listening to podcasts, even watching like stupid shows that were not like yeah. historically accurate, just to give you like excitement to dive into the research, excitement to play that character. And it and it balanced with that, for me, it's about doing justice to the composer and what they intended. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times ego gets in the way and it's like, how do I sound on this high note or whatever? Um to me, it's more about do you understand the style? Mm. Do you understand what the composer intended here? Do you understand that going from this note to this note, the journey in one composer style to the other composer style is going to be completely different. Yeah. You know, like the way you're gonna sing it in Mozart's gonna be completely different than the way you sing it in Donizetti. Yes. Um, even going from one note to the other, you know? So I, to me, it's it's a lot about doing justice to what the composer wanted and really understanding the style. Yeah. Listening to any and every recording that's ever been put out, watching mm-hmm. videos of people and how they sing it. Um watching what they do with their bodies. We have we have these resources on YouTube, we should yeah. use them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um and so it's for me it's it's holding myself to a standard of I might not ever get to do this role again.
0: Yeah.
1: It's rare. And because it's 2022 now or whatever year it wasn't that was 2019 it's going to be recorded Mm -hmm. and um I want it to be as best as it can possibly be right now yeah I hold myself to that standard because I don't know if I'll ever get to do it again and because things live on the internet yes (laughs) right and (laughs) if, if it's within your control to start early and to really like dive in and like if you can enjoy that process and not feel like, oh my God, I have to memorize this. Mm-hmm. No, this is why would Anne Boleyn say this to Henry? Ooh, like, oh my gosh, like, what's the meaning behind that? Oh, well, you like for me, I'd be like, oh, well, because of the history here with her and Catherine of Aragon. Like, <laughs> I love that stuff and it informs what I do. And that preparation process led me into my preparation process for Joan of Arc. So many things to research on that opera. It's never done. It's The Maid of Orleans by Tchaikovsky. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. And um, I, that was the last role I did before the shutdown. It was February of 2020 with New Orleans Opera. I I was like, I just missed you, right, being here in New Orleans. <laughs> know, given the honor of singing Joan of Arc, especially in New Orleans, yes, like, right. She's like the patron saint of New yes. Orleans. Yes, <laughs> it felt so special, and I felt so honored. And I was like, I've got to do the absolute best job at this that I can. And I saw the score and I was like, oh, this is not just going to sing itself. This is going to yeah. be something that I have to figure out with several yes. people. And I had a team of, and I did this show in English. Yeah. But because I was, re- I, the composer did not write it in English, he wrote it in Russian. Yes. I I worked with two
0: Russian coaches and learned the whole thing in Russian and then learned it in English. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And... And that is not an easy show. That is not an easy saying. That is. (laughs) It's one of those vision roles. Okay. The people that have sung it in the past.
1: Zajic. Yeah. Yeah. Mirena Freni sang it when she was 70 at Washington National Opera.
0: I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Yes. And my my Russian coaches
1: coached her and Zajic through the role.
0: (laughs) Talk about a team. Yes.
1: That know this role better than anybody on the. Well, that's right. but these are Russian women who they probably know it better than anybody on the planet yeah yeah I don't know you know it's it was incredible and um these the preparation process is what gave me my success I remember showing up for day one of rehearsal and there were people with much much smaller roles maybe like five or six lines stumbling through their role because they hadn't prepared
0: oh yeah and
1: you're just like and I remember one of like the there was a very well-known person in the cast and and he he told me he was like oh well I was talking to this person yesterday and I said well the meds prepared <laughs> and I was like see like that is that's it that's that's within your control yeah. and if you have enough time and I did have like a year to prepare for it yeah. but I took that year I didn't say oh well I probably only need like three months I'm gonna wait just like put it on my Instagram and be proud of it and not really just dive in and do you know what I mean yes yes (laughs) that's real I love all of the research that goes into it and now I'm singing Mm -hmm. Queen Elizabeth the first Anne Boleyn's daughter oh nerdville yeah (laughs) you're like so here for it (laughs) and so I was just in New York working with my coach on this role I'm leaving in like three weeks to go to Hong Kong to sing this role yeah and um at the Met Museum of Art, there was a Tudors exhibit. Get out! It was the Tudors: Art and Majesty in Renaissance England. And, and you're I like,
0: remember. "Hi, I have arrived. And this is you made this okay. for me."
1: <laughs> and I'm I'm listening to audio books. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm reading this. The Maria Stuarta is not based on historical historical facts. It's based on the Schiller play. Yeah, uh-huh. they didn't
0: actually. The
1: sisters didn't actually meet and have this confrontation. Scene no. <laughs>
0: And you're like, it's but we get to mama. imagine it in opera and it's amazing.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. We want
0: Mary Stewart to say, Vil <laughs> yes. want We want that. We need it. We want it. We get it in opera.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm reading the Schiller play. So I can kind of have a basis on like how Donizetti like, you know, was like, okay, I'm going to like pull, pull all of this music and this drama mm-hmm. from this play. Yeah. So it's interesting to me um, well, to yeah. just do the research. And to me, it ends up affording me with a lot of information and a lot of tools to have in my belt when I go into the room. Yep. yep. Um, like I I know about Elizabeth that she was jealous yeah. of other women. Mm-hmm. I know about her that she never wanted to get married though. And she said, I will live my life like a man, like my like my father did. Mm-hmm. And basically just like, go through as many men as I want and you know, my feminine wiles, but I'm never, you know, I'm never going to succumb to a man's power. I'm never going to marry because then I will be below him in station. I want to rule. Right. Right. And so I love knowing these things. So that it informs the way that I sing some of these lines. Yeah. It really does.
0: Knowing a lot of things about her. Mm-hmm. Well, and Hillary, it just says like, as, as someone who is a, like a colleague in the field, that's exactly why, not to bring it back to this, but that's why it would be, you know, such a dream to work with you is because at every moment I know that you want to be there. You know, you've done this work by just by giving yourself that, that preparation, it's a signal to yourself and to everyone else in the room that you're like, I want to be here. I, I, I am here for this, like right. in and all sense of so- respect, everybody's time yes. that you respect
1: the piece that you respect the opera company. Mm-hmm. It just to me, it shows a sign of respect all around for yourself, for the music, for everyone's yeah. time. Um, it's the way that it should be because yeah. then everybody can reach a higher level of performance. If you've already,
0: if you start here yes. instead of starting here. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, I know I know that, you know, the tutors are high on your list, but I'm wondering if there's anything else. You have some really cool things coming up that I want to make sure that you get a chance to talk about, but also this is a chance to kind of talk about dream roles and like dream rep. If there's anything in your life that you're like, I want to pull this in, I'm putting it out in the world. What is it?
1: Oh, yes. So um, dream rep for me, roles that I have not, I'm lucky in that some dream roles of mine were. Algeza, Carmen, yeah. Yeah. things like that. And I actually got to do those.
0: Yes.
1: So yeah. I've gotten to do some of my dream roles. And that's yeah. awesome. Um, but ones that I haven't gotten to do, I I I was contracted to sing my first Santuzza.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it got canceled for COVID. Oh no. So I've not gotten to sing that role yet, but I had I was getting ready to leave in three days. So I had done all of my preparation and my coachings and
0: everything. Oh. So now and, we definitely um, need to bring it back into your life. You're ready.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to sing the big Inejamo scene with chorus in at Opera Omaha for a concert because I was like, can I do any part of this role, please? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Santuzza is one of them. Yes. Um, Aboli and Don Carlos mm. is one of them. Oh, my gosh. Um, that aria is such a beast, but I have been working on it for years. Yeah. And almost. And I feel like it's like ready in the next couple of years for like the whole sh- role. Yes. Um, and then ultimately, I would really, really love to get into singing Wagner.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that about you. I love the
1: music so much. Um, yeah. and I, I really do love singing in German. Um, mm-hmm. it's a p- part of my heritage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and to me, the, the German roles that medsos kind of get boxed into are the Strauss, right. Um, right. roles, which are very, very high, high Tessitura, which like isn't, I'm no stranger to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but Wagner really knew how to write for a Mezzo. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like then there are there are plethora of great Wagner roles for Mezzo. Um, and I would think that uh Fricka in Valkyra is yes. is probably a dream role of mine. I I I like to talk about this story because I think it's a story of not uh of not winning. It <laughs> <That> really has <laughs> helped me. <laughs> I I uh I got an audition in 2018 for um paris operas valkyrie and they were like we need we need one of the valkyries um i flew over to paris and sang on the stage of the bastille and i sang all of ross weiss's
0: yeah yeah
1: but they also wanted to hear another german and so of course because there's like not a whole lot of german accessible rep out there i sang the composer's aria yeah and i ended up jumping a couple of beats in one of the piano interludes yeah and the pianist didn't really help like cover the mistake for me and it was pretty obvious that I had made a mistake and I and I made up for it by holding another note longer and like getting back together um but like two hours later my manager emailed me and he was like you know the casting director wanted to hire you but the conductor was a no-go so it's not happening oh no oh that so it's one of those things that would have been a dream of mine yeah that was really close and slipped out of my fingers Through maybe a fault of my own, maybe not. I don't know if they cared about that one thing or if it just wasn't, if they had somebody else in mind, I will never know.
0: Yeah, you'll Um, never know. And that's okay. Like, that's another thing is
1: pretty sure that production got striked against anyway and never happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you're just saying that that production was, uh, you know, just cursed from the start and <laughs> well, I mean well, Paris opera they strike there all the time and things I know just, like, don't happen so
1: <laughs> but that it's one of those things where it's like I still feel like one day it's gonna happen oh yeah I hope so but in the meantime I'm i am the whole seat my whole season this year pardon me is um Italian repertoire yeah for a few years right when I was coming out of young artist programs and entering into being a, a main stage professional artist I was only getting gigs like new American operas that were not Mm, mm well-written that were murder on the voice that were for a very small paycheck Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: never got legs and were never done
0: again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it
1: wasn't really serving me except for like getting my foot in the door a little bit and helping me out a little bit and then eventually um I don't know if it was because I changed management or whatever but I started getting hired in the more classical European repertoire which is really what i wanted to do anyway uh, yeah um and so this this season is like getting like i just did that concert in omaha where i did some santuzza and some aboli i sang Hararia in that concert too getting ready to do elizabetta and maria Stuarda bel Canto. yes all day i love it yes and then i'm then going back to omaha that's another thing that i like to talk about is there are some companies that just like if they like you they will rehire you it's like yeah. your fourth time going back to omaha in two years Yay. and you know i, like, listen, I have a like, soft spot for a, that
0: company too okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> they they um and it's not even like I'm singing, uh, the mistress of the novices and Sorangelica. it's like five yeah. lines, but because yeah. they value me as an artist and there was an open role, they're like, we'd love to have you back. We know you could contribute to this opera and they, you know, they, and they pay you what you're worth.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's, you know, because they had hired me for Olga and Eugene Onegin was, as a rehire, they're like, Hey, you know, like we're, even though it's not a bigger role, this is what we have for you this season when we want you back and we're going to pay yeah. you what you're worth. Right. And that that. is part of gaining a reputation and gaining, say, Hey, you know, if you're going to bring Hillary, you have to not pay her a young artist fee, even though it's a small role. Yeah. That's what you have to like, if you want that artist. Yes. Yes. And then I get to go to Opera Columbus and do Maddalena and Rigoletto. Amazing. Yeah. And then finishing out the season in the summer here in Central City doing Rossini's Otello. I
0: love it. Oh, what a great season. Doesn't it feel so good? It's also,
1: and I, and I, for you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people that you see just kind of like skyrocketed to the top and it's, and it's hard to not just feel defeated when it doesn't happen for you that way. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been a very consistent kind of slow climb. And I think that's kind of like more, it's more the path for most people Yes, And you
0: know, we see a lot of the 2% happening. Oh yeah. Well, of course it, you're always going to see the thing that has that kind of like, I guess the, like the rocket flare behind it. Right. But, exactly. every, but that doesn't, and also, if you just look around, you see lots of people that are also consistently working, like, and, yeah. and, and this like, is my first yeah.
1: season as a singer that is completely full. Yeah. I'm 37. And yeah. it's my first time that I've had a full season where I can say, I I don't know. I mean, I might have to like, maybe do a little like part-time thing here or there in like a couple of months that I have free, but yeah. I feel really, really, I feel like a lot of the hard work is paying off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. I love that. Definitely. I'm so excited
0: for you. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> and, and it's about momentum, too, because I had a lot of momentum going into the pandemic and I just on the Joan of Arc and then it was just like, yeah, like, oh. hard stop. And so a lot of us who were kind of like up and coming felt that momentum just die and um, to have to re rev that engine. Yeah post pandemic, like I had to, you know, take a couple of gigs that maybe didn't pay as much as I wanted, but it was something that I need. And I wanted to sing, you know, like, and then it just slowly starts getting better and better and better. And, um, I mean, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel really, really lucky that the hard work and the concentration and the focus and my dedication and love for it have, are, are, are kind of
0: like coming back to me now. Oh, That's such a beautiful way to put it. And I'm so, so thrilled for you. And also it really, it it really is your dedication and the hard work that you've put in that cannot be overstated enough just to say like that you clearly are doing all of, all of the work and it is paying off. Like it is, it really is. You have that kind of career, and that's amazing, right? (laughs) So a lot of times it's just paying attention to the
1: details of the text or the style, like I'm saying, because. Those things, when you're in an audition room, will separate you from being seen as not quite ready or still have something to learn or still young artist level,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: lots of potential yeah. to, that's a professional who
0: understands the style and I want her to tell this story. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Oh, I'm going to get that printed. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, May I ask you, I know because so many of my listeners are super curious about management. And I would just kind of love to hear from your perspective. I always wanna kind of caution them that like management is not this like magic wand situation, but I'm hoping that you could maybe, (coughs) excuse me, that's great, that demystify a little bit sometimes for, I'm sure you get this from working with lots of, uh, you know, young artists or emerging artists. And so maybe just a little bit of information before we kind of go on to the next thing.
1: Sure. Um, I can just speak to my path with management. Mm-hmm. I had I had finished a young artist program at Florida Grand Opera when I was 30.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and had been told by the company, like, you don't need to do this young artist stuff anymore. Like you're ready to go. Um so I started reaching out to I started reach just reaching out to managers. Um, but I also had recommendations from people saying, hey. If you reach out to this manager, tell them that I asked that I told you to reach out to them. So I used my network that I had through all of the young artist years and keeping in touch with people um, to help me gain some credibility with these managers. So they knew I wasn't, you know, that, so I, they knew that I had some other people backing me saying, like, mm-hmm. yes, she's ready to be heard by management. Yeah. And um, I sang for a lot of managers. Um who didn't want me on their roster, and um, eventually, saying for one who did, and I, we were both kind of learning at the same time. He is even he was younger than I am, mm-hmm. and so it was like a very, a very much like a, both of us young kind of figuring thing out situation. But also, my my current coach was on that management team. Yeah, and he's the one that recommended me to them because I had been working with him a little bit just as a coach, and he was like, yep. "Hey, I started managing." yeah do you want to maybe consider being on this roster yeah and um I was like you know what everybody else said no and if this roster is going to say yes it is the way to it is the way to get your foot in the door for main stage auditions it just there is a there is a gate there Mm -hmm. um but it's it can take a long time Mm -hmm. and a lot of rosters are completely full and at their bandwidth and not getting one right away when you feel like you're ready or when other people say you're ready is not it can feel personal it can feel like I'm not good enough yet but a lot of times it's just like the luck and the stars have not aligned yet yeah. for that right relationship um and so you know this manager my first manager got me into a lot of auditions I did tons and tons of auditions for companies um and he got my foot in the door at a lot of places and um, eventually I I was like I he's a domestic manager only United States mm-hmm. and I, was, I, I really kind of want to have the opportunity to branch out internationally yeah um and so um eventually I was singing uh, I was singing Lorreen in Brokeback Mountain at yeah. New York City Opera in 2018. And uh, my current management team was there seeing another one of their artists was singing Ennis. And um, they approached me afterwards and were like, that was really great. Uh, Tell us more about yourself. Tell us about the other repertoire you like to sing. Because that was like weird 12-tone American opera. (laughs) Um, So like what other kind of like standard, you know, European classical repertoire do you sing? And so we talked a little bit and then... um, the next day they emailed me and asked like if i wanted to sing a formal audition for them like you know italian rep french rep whatever um and then we could talk and eventually they offered me a spot on the roster and um i and i don't want to say that it's it's a mixture of the right auditions mm-hmm. being like i got a lot of really great auditions because they have connections yeah um but it's equally about maintaining your network.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot
1: of times once you get management, it feels like everything is taken out of your hands. Mm. Like, okay, now we're the ones that are going to submit you for everything. And but it's important for the artist to still feel very proactive and communicative with a manager about like, hey, are we still on the same page as far as like my trajectory, what Mm -hmm. we hear in my voice, where I'm going. Like, are you putting me up for the right repertoire? Uh Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that becomes a tricky balance of like, do they see you as you see you? Do yeah. they believe in you as you believe in you? Um, and so that's you know, it's a constant balance. And sometimes eventually it does you don't see each other the same way and you have to find a new relationship. And it's just whew, it's it the it's a necessary evil at some point in the business um to to gain access to auditions, right. to just be seen as like, oh, this is a legitimate artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you have like won the Met competition and everybody's asking to hire you anyway, yeah, um, it's really hard to get consistent work without management. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get but that. But it's
1: also, you have to know that you're ready for it mm-hmm. um, and really have a strong sense of who you are as an artist and what repertoire you really see yourself in.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's so important. So Hillary, as we kind of wrap things up together here, you know that I, that I truly believe that curiosity is a superpower. And I just think that one of the best things that we can do is be curious about things like, you know, like the tutors and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm wondering if what, what you're deeply curious about right now. Ooh, this is a good one.
1: i'm curious why what is the motivation for opera singers today mm. what is what are what are people who aren't me because sometimes i feel like i'm on an island alone <laughs> maybe and, that and way, a lot right? of times it's because i just put my blinders on and i don't want to like pay attention and get myself out of my focus mm-hmm. but i really do feel like i i I found my happiness in it because I do it because I love it so much. And because I want to find out more about the art form and the history of it and who sang it, and why they sang it. And, and it just feels good to sing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to know,
1: I want to know like what young singers are inspired by. Why are they, why are they singing opera? Because mm-hmm. for me, I just kind of fell into it. Cause my, I started singing in church as a kid and, and it was like I had a vibrato at eleven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's
1: happening? I was just like, here I am. I'm an opera yes. singer. Yes. <laughs> and so it was like very obvious to me what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And and I want to know, like I I'm curious about other people's paths or like why why did they choose opera? Because it's such a niche thing. Do you know what it I mean? Totally it's, is. And I'm also I'm curious. I'm curious how other people deal with the athleticism of singing and how they deal with nerves and confidence
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: because so, so often nerves can just take your breath away. Mm -hmm. They can take your, that deep breath away.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that like that mixture of adrenaline and cortisol in your body and whether or not it's like, it's depleting you or if it's, if you're able to kind of channel that and use that mm-hmm. to like stay, yeah. stay present, stay like what we were talking about with support, stay supported, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. And I
1: also want to destigmatize, and I don't know if this is a stigma or not, but here's mm-hmm. me just saying it. I want to just say it loud that I have, um, along with a lot of other things, preparation and whatnot, I, I have taken a beta blocker for nerves for yeah. years Yeah, and it absolutely 100% helps and is completely safe. Yeah,
0: that's great. Just like
1: five milligrams, 10 milligrams of, uh, I take propanolol. Mm -hmm. um, Before I have to do a a really big audition or a really big performance, it just, because the thing that, that, you know, makes you shake and keeps your breath high is the fact that your heart starts beating so fast. It can just slow your heart a little bit and let you breathe deeper.
0: Right. Well, and keeps you in your body staying, you found the way that you've been able to kind of like override some of that stuff that gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're all doing is what's the thing that's getting in the way and how can I, what do I need to give myself? What do I need to bring into my life that's going to help me work through that? Right. Whatever it is. And I think that's that's so important. Also what you were saying about boundaries, same thing. It's like whatever you notice getting in the way of what you're trying to achieve. What's the thing that you can give yourself that's going to help you either just sail right over that or remove it from your life. And exactly. It looks like a lot of things. It looks different for every single person. So (laughs) I'm so with you. It's what is this thing? And being honest about anything that is actually getting in your way. Sometimes I see that a lot too, is like Mm -hmm. we don't want to be honest about what might be our stumbling block. And so being able to just look at it and be like, okay, that's in the way. What am I going to do? Right.
1: Mhm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And for me, it's just like, well, do the work. Do
0: the work. <laughs> do yeah. The work. Do your homework. Do your homework. It's like nothing makes you feel as confident as building the skill. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> just knowing it. I I <laughs> used to tell my students. I worked a lot with like high school students, and I was I would always tell them the, the two keys to building confidence are to build the skill and then to recognize that you have the skill. And I think that like what you're talking about with preparation, doing the work is building the skill and then recognizing you've done it enough that you're able to also recognize that it's there. If you don't yes. recognize that you that's have the skill. That's confidence
1: right there. That will, that is in a, that's a form of confidence being like, I recognize that I've done the work and there's nothing that there's no what ifs right now.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So you can just walk in and be that bright shining light and in, yes. in rehearsal or wherever you're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> So, Hillary, where can people find you on the interwebs? Where where do you want people to interact with you? Uh,
1: well, my website is www.hillaryginther.com. It's called one L, H I L A R Y G I N T H E R. Yes. And um, my Instagram is Hillary Ginther Mezzo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um And my Facebook is Hillary Ginther Mezzo. Yes. I so, believe you have a TikTok. Is that? Oh, I do i i'm not super active on tiktok and my tiktok okay. is a conglomeration of like i'm also a visual artist i do yes. portrait art yeah so i was like you have to talk
0: like, about that for a second
1: <laughs> it's a conglomeration of like opera stuff art silly lifestyle it's just like my whole life yes so my tiktok is lady ginther yes i love it i love it <laughs> As thank a wedding you, gift, one yes. of my one of our friends got us like one of those like Lord and Lady titles, or they buy you like a like a square yard of land in, in <laughs> Scotland or something, and all of a sudden you're a lady. So I was like, well,
0: it's true. <laughs> what a great gift, too. I love that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Like this has been such a pleasure to talk to you, to learn from you. Thank you for like sharing openly and honestly about about your whole life. That means a, a ton to me. So thank you so much for your masterclass on, on studio class today. I really appreciate it. You're so
1: welcome. And thank you for having me, Megan. It's so nice to talk with you.
0: No, thank you. And I always say, as we wrap this up to all of our lovely listeners to stay sparkly inside and out until next time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on studio class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at MezzoEnen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. (laughs) So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening!